You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm Emma Hurd, your host for today's show. I hope everyone out there listening is warm and cosy as we get settled in for a lovely listen. Later in the show, we'll be talking all things plants and our wonderful guests today have brought in some beautiful specimens. So I have the pleasure of introducing three familiar voices. We've got Chloe Foster, extraordinary horticultural educator at Melbourne Polytechnic having studied not only botany, but geology as well. Thank you, Emma. And we've got the wonderful John Arnott, (laughs) (laughs) Manager of Horticulture at the Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne. Excited to have you in. Hi, Emma. Hi, gang. (laughs) Good to see you. And we've got Roger Elliott, author and walking encyclopedia of Australian (laughs) native plants. My goodness. We've dragged him out of radio retirement <laughs> yes, today, and well I'm played. so glad. Yeah, I know. I'm so I know. glad. I don't know. You'll see at the end of the show. <laughs> 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 it's so good to have you all on board. Thank you for being in. Good. Thank you. So I'll start the show off with some announcements. We've got, now that spring is here, we've got so many things happening. Uh, so... Virginia has told me that the Tesla's Tulip Festival has begun. Um, It started on September 10th and it's running through till October 9th this year. Um, It's in Sylvan and tickets for adults are $32.50 and children under the age of 16 don't require a ticket. So that's a pretty good deal. Um, So if you'd like more information about them, please uh, visit www.tulipfestival.com.au and you can also book via that website. And then we've got the Yay Garden Expo, which is happening this weekend. So today is its second day in action. Uh, It starts at 9am and runs through till 3pm and it's located at the Yay Sale Yards. Um, Yay. Yay! Sorry, Yay. I can't. You've got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great pun. Yeah, You've got is. to take advantage of it. And they, they genuinely do put on a really good gardening show. Yeah. Um, it's $10 entry, and they've got loads of plants, tools, food, and apparently wonderful speakers. Yay. It's going to be really <laughs> good. Yeah, and I know our friends of the show, Treasured Perennials, are selling there. So if you're a fan of Treasured Perennials, and why wouldn't you be? And you want to have a chat to Ben Brooker. Yeah. Who was in a couple of weeks ago. Yep. If you've got a perennial garden or you're looking to start one, Ben and Kerry are really knowledgeable, great people to speak to. 
so moving on from there, Open Gardens Victoria are ramping up for a wonderful spring. Uh, they have two marvellous Macedon estate gardens to open in partnership with the Garden Lovers Fair, which is on the weekend of the 1st and 2nd of October. So it'll be a great weekend. You can visit Lewisham, Durrell and Bolabeck, where the Garden Lovers Fair is based, and they'll be running little uh, tour buses to and from Lewisham and Durrell in order to for you to experience all three gardens. So if you'd like more information on that weekend, please visit opengardensvictoria.org.au for full details. And thanks to Kate Anderson for sending in that information from Open Gardens Victoria. Um, We've got another open garden, um, and Chloe might have a bit more information on that one. Because it got sent in very early this morning. It came to my inbox a bit late. Uh, Open Gardens Victoria, they're an amazing... Uh, supporter of the 3CR Gardening Show. Next weekend on the 24th and 25th of September, the Stones Garden in Clydesdale is open. So the address is 1530 Newstead Dalesford Road, Clydesdale. Um, It's a very old rustic garden with lots of stonework, um, rambling paths and surprises at each turn. Uh, Beautiful old collection of plants and in the quaint cottage style. The Friends of Wombat Hill Botanic Gardens Nursery will be running uh, a plant sale there on both days of the opening. So you'll probably be able to get some of the plants that are in the garden from the Friends of Wombat Hill. The garden is open from 10 to 4.30 on both days. Uh, $10 for adults, $6 for students and under 18s free. You can go to the Open Gardens Victoria website for some more information and you can book your spot at try booking as well or you can pay on the day. Um, Now as is usual with OGV, Open Gardens Victoria, they're very good to us and our listeners. They've got a garden entry double pass to give away. So if you call our number on 94190155 now um, you can speak to Susie first in best dressed and pick up that double pass and Susie will give you the details uh, to how to for how to claim that ticket. Okay. Fantastic. Call now. Yes, very exciting. It's great that Open Gardens Victoria so wonderful giving us double passes all the time. I, I like the term <coughs> excuse me, I like the term rustic garden. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice... It's, it's, it's a bit very, evocative, isn't it? It is evocative and it, it's nice because, well, I think anyone who has a rustic garden open to the public would school you quite quickly that the idea of a rustic garden is harder to achieve than you'd imagine. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, and I think it's interesting, um, at Stephen's garden not that long ago, at Two Graham, lots of people were saying, oh, you know, it is so... It feels like a garden you can be in and not have to be too worried about. And I, I went up to Stephen and I said, yeah, the maintenance involved in this, yeah. in this uh, easygoing garden is, is very high. Um, naturalistic landscapes yes. are also, you know, very, very difficult to achieve. Yeah. Um, it's kind of that, I don't know, it's a reckless precision. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, there's an element of, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, rustic doesn't just necessarily happen. Yes. This is very true. Yep. And also it's just nice to see how other people do it when you go to different gardens because 
it's amazing the there's personality in the the maintenance work yeah. of the garden. Yeah. So it's lovely to see. Yeah, right. Well, another event that is coming up shortly is the Global Botanic Gardens Congress. Indeed. And you'll be presenting at that, John. So what's what's it all about? It's it's about climate change. Oh, it's about a bunch of things. Yeah. There are I, I should know because I'm on the organising committee and the program <laughs> committee. Um, I should I've got know. I, 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 yeah, no, that's good. I've got a I've got a parachute. <laughs> um, it's so it's hosted by um, Botanic Gardens Conservation International uh, and Botanic Gardens Australia and New Zealand. So it's a it's a uh, collaboration. It's a collaboration between the two, and the actual host is Royal Botanic Gardens Vic- Victoria. And it's great to hear those names because they're not names that every day that get bandied around every day. No, so no. So these organisations exist and they're quite large. Like there's quite a lot of people involved in them. A- absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it happens every two to three years, three years generally. It's a three-year cycle or thereabouts, um, which has been gazumped by a global pan- pandemic. Yes. So this is the, the third crack that we – or the third date that we put up. Uh, originally it was going to be um, back in 2021. Yes. Um, and – um, yeah, so it's the the gathering of the the, the globe's botanic garden folks. Uh, we've got over five hundred delegates are, uh, uh, heading to Melbourne um, this time next week. Oh my god, that's going to be incredible! <laughs> and the organisation involved in that as well. Yeah, it's huge. huge. It's huge. It's huge. I just I just cracked open my email then, and overnight there's been about fifteen <laughs> emails come in that uh, I won't look at that uh, over the next uh, uh, hour forty five yeah. at, at all. No, I'm, Let I'm, yourself I'm, I'm on. Off. I'm on. <laughs> so there's um, people coming from all over the place. Iceland. Iceland. Um, United Arab Emirates. Yes. America. Yeah. Lots of people lots, from the states. Lots of States people. Lots of people from New Zealand, of course, because mm-hmm. it's uh, the NZ in Big Ends. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, folks from South Africa, from Sambi, from the Botanic Institute at, uh, at, in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, people from Rwanda. Wow. Uh, incredible. It'll be amazing to hear... Cameroon. Cameroon, Cameroon. Laos. Yeah, it would just be so awesome to hear their, uh, their gardening stories. Yeah. 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 And they'll be speaking about plants, they'll be speaking about design, they'll be speaking about how botanic gardens can contribute to saving the world. Absolutely. Basically. So there's, um, I'm going to go with five themes. Um, there's uh, uh, biodiversity conservation themes, so there's the, that sort of plant conservation thread. Yay. And conservation of horticulture, <laughs> yay, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, there's, um, there's climate change in there, global conversations, um, so... Uh, First Nations perspectives on on mm. managing botanic gardens, which I think will be fantastic. Yeah, it's really important. Uh, there is a thread on um, uh, post surviving and thriving in a post COVID world, mm. <laughs> which would be kind I of. I think it. every conference has that topic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a juicy topic. It, it is. is a juicy yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all need help. Um, <laughs> and gardens can do that for us. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. And therapeutic horticulture is a, a hot topic at the moment as well. There's really a is. therapeutic horticulture mm. conference coming up soon. Yeah. Um, just to segue into that. Yeah, nice, but, nice. But um, I'm sure the Gardens Congress will also touch on elements it, of it that. Have, it has threads of that well-being and, um, you know, the benefits the, to, to the human condition yeah. associated with visiting a botanic garden. Yeah. That's what I think Tim... Tim Entwistle is talking about in the last day. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it's it, it, it's going to be really exciting. It's being held at the Melbourne uh, Convention and Exhibition Centre, mm-hmm. MCEC. Uh, and what's been really nice is um, through uh, uh, organisations such as the Maud Gibson Trust, um, the Friends of the Melbourne Botanic Gardens and the Cranbourne Botanic Gardens, uh, Begans in and of itself and um, the Care for the Rare project actually put aside some money uh, to support Victorian Regional Botanic Gardens attending and we're, we've supported or are about to support um, 42 individuals from across Victoria uh, to, to attend. Which is which is great. Yeah. Paying the registration fees yeah. for, for in effect, Fantastic. so it's really good. Fantastic. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> Melbourne will be the botanic um, capital of the world, not just the sporting capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> in a in a significant week in terms of uh, sport, it'll it'll be the sporting and um, botanic gardens capital of the globe. John, how much have you had to do in organising this congress? A bit. Have you been sleeping properly? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been um, – Chris Russell, um, the executive director at the Cranbourne Gardens, uh, it's his project yep. and I happen to report to Chris, so <laughs> there's been a bit of knock-on stuff. Delegate. Yeah, he's been a bit of delegation going on. No, but it's been, it's been fun. It Look, sounds it, like you're a great team. There's, there's three days of, of workshops, Three days of Congress, yep. yep. Congress? Yeah, yep. so and the then 25th to the 29th of September. Correct, yep. So the 25th is field trips. Um, uh which is Sunday. It's this time next week, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and we're meeting – There's so field trips going east, uh, down – we've got a field trip going into the Anglesey Heath and the Geelong Botanic Gardens. Mm-hmm. We've got a field trip uh, in Angair, uh, the Anglesey and Areas Inlet Environment Group are, are providing some of their botanic um, uh, guides, some of their flora guides, which is great. Uh, there's a field trip going up to Ballarat, uh, going to um, uh, and then into the uh, uh, Brisbane Rangers, which would be also oh, also great. great at this time of year. Yeah, we're, I'm just talking with the teacher about taking a trip to the Brisbane Rangers at the end of this year. Really nice. Yeah. it's it's looking cherry ripe oh, at the moment. Good. Yeah, lots good. of wildflowers and orchids and yep. uh, and then there's another field trip which is heading um, into the. Uh, Dandenong Range and onto Hillsville Sanctuary, and we're meeting one uh, Roger Elliott. Who's that bloke? Uh, <laughs> apparently, he knows a bit. Roger's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, been learning a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. So, what are we doing, Roger? We're we're you going into Hardy Gully. Yeah, having a look at uh, cool temperate rainforest. Yes, and wet forest, and um, yeah, there's. Some parts of the Dandenongs which are relatively weed-free, you know, there's not that many, but one of the areas we'll be going to is pretty It's in pretty good nick. Yeah, there's not much there. You know, Can you there's... divulge that area? Hmm? Can you tell us? No. Oh. <laughs> and I'll find out and I'll let the listeners have, know. Have all the 3CR listeners. <laughs> yeah, just tagging along. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, very excited because I live in Alinda, so I'm happy to be going along. <laughs> it is, there are some parts of the Dandenongs we're diverging, but man, it is weedy. Oh my god! Oh yeah, weedy. So much rain and perfect soil. Perf- oh, well, especially soil. with the third year of La Nina. Oh my, yeah, we are really bursting at the seams with weeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to suppress the onion weed. It's uh, not going so well. <laughs> I went for a walk with a student along the Mary Creek, a couple of students along the Mary Creek the other day, and. Oh my god! Weedy. Yeah. yeah. There was maybe one wattle 
yep. in the space of 50 or 100 square metres. And oh, it was just, it was insane. Yeah. It was insane. It was on the, the northern side of the Heidelberg Road Bridge. But the southern side um, is nowhere near as weedy. I mm. don't know what the reasoning is, but mm. there's willows, ash trees, yeah. and then an understory of onion weed, blackberry, Tradescantia, mm. yeah. Vinca. Yeah. So much. There's just nothing there. And they all love each other too. Like they all yeah. allow they each other coexist to live. Beautifully. They do. Yeah. yeah. I was looking, um, this is oh, probably 12 months ago actually, but the, the, the notion of weeds and weedscapes was just slightly challenged for me. I was cycling along the Dandenong Creek and it was just a sea of onion grass and um, uh, different um, uh, mustards and, you know, the, 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 the usual creekside uh, open grassy weeds. And I looked down to the to the creek bank and there was uh, a, a lady from the Middle East who was harvesting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. She was you harvesting the onion it. and harvesting the, the brassicas and... Yeah. and um, so I, I stopped my bike. I, I hope she didn't think this was a bit too weird because <laughs> I, I, I went down and sort of introduced myself. I had my uniform on and um, mm. said I'm from the Botanic Gardens. So I was just interested in what you – she didn't have much English, but, you know, she um, <laughs> ended up – you know, we were chewing – we were uh, – um, yeah. Had a taste. We had a taste. And what did you think? The, the mustards were good. Yeah. Yeah. They were spicy and mm. rockety and yeah. all the things that – but yeah. They should be. Yeah. The only the, thing to be wary of is making sure nothing's been sprayed. If yeah. you're if you're harvesting from a public from, piece of land, yep. yeah. um, I I don't advise doing that okay. because some all councils are meant to use dye in their sprays. Yeah, okay. Um, but you just don't know. No. So I would be very cautious. Mm. Um, if it's somewhere that you have spoken to council about, then hopefully that will give you some reassurance that nothing's been sprayed. Mm. I think people That's that do point. forage weeds know know where the species are mm. for the, for what they want to forage and a lot of and if you want to do this you need to do a little bit of observational research yeah. Mm. Yeah. and and keep an eye on it, you know maybe over the course of a year and see what the council does if anything if is anything done. yeah 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 yeah, well, this was pretty much a weedscape. Um, so I think mm-hmm. if you if you sprayed the weeds to be bare yeah. soil, so yeah, yeah I, my, my sense is that they don't do any weed management there. They might just slash it with a, mm-hmm. a mower every now and then. But um, yeah, it was it was it, it it just sort of flicked my perspective a little bit on on the value of that yeah. landscape. It was really valuable to this woman. Yeah, yeah, that's that's special. Like that's a nice moment. For mm. sure. Yeah, it was a really nice moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I interrupted you before, Roger. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, well we cycle we're talking back about your oh, We were talking about the dandelions yeah. and weeds. Oh, the dandelions and weeds. Oh, no. Yeah, well, there, there are. Well, even just driving along the Monash Freeway this morning, I was looking at stuff and I thought, what's that? And it, it happened to be one of the brooms. Oh, yeah. They've gone mad around. The white the, flowering one? No, the yellow flowering Yeah, right. Okay. Around near um, the East Link. Area. Okay. But previously there was things I was trying to work out, you know, what they were. And of course, after the rain, Acacia Paradoxa looks orange. Uh-huh. <laughs> I and I thought, oh, yeah, it's quite spectacular. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. Can we just talk? Well, I th- let's loop back to the Congress because while yes. we're talking about weeds, mm-hmm. I, I did some weeding in my garden yesterday and 
I was pondering what makes... Look, I know the definition of a weed is a plant out of place or a plant that you don't want where it is. Yep. Mm. Kind, kind, kind in of. An mm. place. In an unwanted place. The, the, the weeds that came up in my garden, weeds, the things that I, I'm, I'm looking at this, do I pull it out, do I leave it? I ended up pulling them out mm. because they were Banksia integrifolias. Mm-hmm. That's a huge, great big tree. I've been yeah. in a little, tiny little garden. But this, there was this germination event of Banksia integrifolias. Mm-hmm. Uh, a germination event of the long-leafed box, Eucalyptus gonia calix, um, and the property to the to the right next door to us has got a, an old indigenous gonia calix, and it's reputed to be the only Eucalyptus gonia calix in um, in in public area in private areas in um, Kingston. Yeah, yeah, oh. seems a bit odd. But especially if it's having an event like that where it's spreading its seed. Yeah, mm. but so so this rare tree, likely rare tree or significant tree to, to Kingston, was germinating in the garden, mm. um, and I pulled it out. <laughs> <laughs> but also Pelagonium australe, which is going nuts. Yeah. Like I would have said, a thousand seedlings mm. growing in the path and growing mm. in the crack cracks mm. in the concrete and. Yeah. Um, now, I planted that three years ago, one plant. <laughs> You're regretting it now. <laughs> I'm regretting it now because mm. I, I think I'll be weeding that out for a, a while. And undoubtedly, La Nina's got a lot to do with this. Probably, know, yeah, yeah. that yeah. soil is moist. Consistently moist. Yeah. 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 Like seed a, raising like mix. Like a seed raising mix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that sandy seed raising mix. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a question, though. What do you think about the – I think we – my understanding is with eucalypt regnans, if you get saplings of those in the ground, which I do regularly at my place, you can't transplant them. They, mm. they don't do well. Their root systems suffer. Yep. But I wonder with those banksias and that eucalypt, would it be possible to... to prick them out. Yeah, prick them out, pop them in and grow so. them on. Yeah, almost certainly. They, 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 the banksias, certainly, they had this mm. really beautiful little root. It was, it was actually, it was like taking them out of a ceiling tray. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So certainly... If you could find an outlet for them, you know, if you could find someone that wanted those plants... There's a carom indigenous nursery. I'll, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go back this afternoon and tube these things up. Yeah. And, yes. and take them to the provenance... Um, uh, Bond Beach. Yeah. <laughs> my, well, my, sorry. My, my brother's in, in Seaford and they're just right on the Cannonock Creek. Nice. So opposite them is a whole lot of Leptospermum labor garden and some Banksia integrifolia fighting its way through too. Yep. But on their nature strip is an Agonis flexuosa. Okay. Uh-huh. In a, a, a more compacted or a clay soil, it's a pretty narrow, smallish tree. But get it into a sandy soil. Oh, it goes and off. It's massive. Yeah. And the trunk on this thing is probably just over a metre in diameter. <laughs> wow. But the seedlings that pop up oh, really? for them in in the cracks in the driveway, yeah. all throughout the garden, he's like, oh, what's this weed growing? It's like it's your agonis tree. And you imagine that natural selection would ensure that not all of them prospered. Mm. But can you imagine if they all did? <laughs> It'd be an Agonis Grove. Yeah. Well, if he let it go, it would well, they be a do thicket. do for a while. I think mm. yeah, it'll yeah. take quite a long time for them to sort of yeah. sort out. Because it, it's interesting, you know. As I can remember back quite a while ago when on plant labels for Agonis flexuosa, it used to say eight to twelve feet. Right. Mm. Wow. Well, when you see them mm. in the west. Mm. 
when they have trunks probably over a metre across, mm. you know, and quite huge. Yeah. There's a big difference. <laughs> yes. so they, yeah, yeah. It's a huge difference. It's mm. a big tree. In a sandy soil, yeah. it's a big tree. Yeah, yeah. But in a, in a clay soil, they obviously can't compete as well. Nice. I don't mind a Gunnis Flexi oh, as a, a, as a yeah. tree. I love the petals on it. It's yeah. like a really dainty tea tree. It's in, in the Myrtaceae family, but it's a really dainty tea tree flower that's got yeah. a little twist to it. Yeah. Mm. They're beautiful. They're really nice plants. But you love the variegated form, John. Oh, the <laughs> <laughs> So that means we're judging you. <laughs> no, I like it too. Oh, uh, there is. Question without notice, I think. Yeah, 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 no, that's right. No, I'd prefer the just the, the, the standard green, really? healthy looking thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of those agonists are just, I mean, they're pretty, each to their own. Yeah. I have to embrace um, the fact that, so, that, you know, a good number of folk are quite attracted to sick looking plants. <laughs> in a dark corner of a backyard? Yeah. That's where they belong. There we go. We've opened up the judgment to yeah, all yeah, yeah. lovers of variegated plants. I'm sorry, plants. folks. That was very, no, ju- that was very judgy. No, you said, you said each to their own. So. Each to, yeah, each to their own. Yep, yeah. yep. John has an endearing reputation for a strong distaste for variegated foliage. I've never specifically asked Roger Elliott about your view of variegation. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not a fan Yes, because yes. <laughs> I can always remember w- way back when we were this ch- in our nursery had a chap come in and say, "Look, I've got this 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 variegated Grevillea victoriae." Oh, and uh, I said, "Oh," he said, "Would you be interested in propagating?" So <laughs> we propagated a few, and we planted the plants behind the the polyhouses so nobody could see them. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was. A relatively good variegation mm. on it, but I think it's gone to somewhere. Now, you don't see it around, but it's, uh, yeah. Now, even with the Gonus flexuosa, one of the problems is that um, people often don't maintain them, so they revert mm. quite mm. often. And um, even things like uh, Lophostem and Confertus, the brush box, mm. you know, there's Maranoa Gardens. I think they're always chopping out. Yeah. Green stems. It's been there for a while, that tree. It's quite a big tree. Yeah. Yeah. Paul yeah. might be listening. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The, the, the burgundy forms of the agonis, mm-hmm. do, they, do they, start, they start to green up as they get yeah, a little bit older? I, I think they're not as burgundy as they thought they were going to be. Yeah. And are they, are they as vigorous as, as a thing? I, I tend to think that they look a little bit... A little bit less, I think. Yeah. I know where we live, they've taken out... Uh, of all things, acacia, melanoxylin, and replanted <laughs> with uh, Agonis flexuosa burgundy. Right, and as a street tree, uh, they, these are just in the uh, on edges of gardens yeah, okay. and things. Okay. And um, they're starting to get a bit of size in a fairly decent time. Mm-hmm. So they're they're not they're not going to be small. Are they keeping their colour? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But things like a Gonus Flexuosa After Dark, that keeps its colour pretty well. Do you know that one? Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, that, that keeps its colour. And have you seen the one that has a pink a line through it? Mm. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It might be Flamingo, uh-huh. a hybrid name. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I think it's that Flamingo. One, that one's quite interesting. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't get as big. Yeah. It's a, more of a shrub than a tree. 
And even the so-called prostrate forms, they're not really prostrate. No. no. You know, and uh, they'll, they'll get up to a couple of metres in height. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with lots of things that are called prostrate by nursery people. Yeah. yeah well, having get, been a nurseryman. <laughs> let's get going because Acacia Baileyana prostrate. Oh, yes. <laughs> We've got it at Melbourne Poly Campus and it's about... Um, yeah. That's not helpful for radio listeners. It's about a metre and a half high. Yep. Yeah, well, and that is not prostrate. <laughs> it'll probably get to three metres. Yeah. It's covering the ground, so yeah. you yeah. Could call it a ground cover. It's, it's a, a ground cover. Good it's ground. actually not yeah. a bad plant. It is a great plant. Yeah. Is it weedy? I don't think I don't think that one is. No. That it's a naturally occurring form yep. that I assume they found somewhere near around where the – because it's a pretty restricted – the species is naturally quite restricted in yep. its distribution, but yep. take it out into cultivation and, it, you know, it's gone ballistic and now it's and on it's, most environmental weeds lists. And it's a beautiful coloured foliage. Great yeah, foliage. And texture. Great like foliage. Really yeah. beautiful texture too. Kate, Kate Blood in her weed book, uh, if you look at the um, – uh, uh, oh God, my head switch on. I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's the morning. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at the um, – what's it called at the back – Index. Index. Thanks, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the index, it, it lists Acacia baileyana as Kuda bloody mandra wattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Kuda a good bloody, inside joke Kuda. for everyone that knows. <laughs> yeah. You'd probably only find if the, the so-called prostrate one is a weed if you really did just burn it and see what comes up after. Ah, okay. If, you know, because it sets some seed, but um, it might be a bit of a... You know, a bit of a sleeper. Mm. That would be but an interesting trial to run. Mm. Have a have a batch of them and burn some and burn see what happens. the seeds yeah. or burn the plant. Yeah, burn the plant. You need to burn the plant. Or... I'll do that in a class. That'll go down well. Mm. No, yeah, yeah probably, in the actual in the ground, classroom. Yeah, in the classroom. <laughs> get the Bunsen burner. Get a little yeah. tube stuck. Yeah, you'd have to do it in situ. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but. Bringing up weediness, you know, I think it's been discussed here over some time ago maybe, but um, things like Aliacarpus reticulatus, Mm. I think that's going to be a major weed. Mm. And, um, you know, it's so sad when a plant like that, it's a wonderful plant. That's a gorgeous thing. But it's... Can I interrupt before we forge ahead, even though this is a great conversation, I'll just mention the website for the Botanic Gardens Congress so that people can have a look if they want to read more about it. So it's 7gbgc.org and you can find plenty of information. You can buy tickets if you like. Um, So get on there if you'd like to. And I'll, I'll mention that you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Emma Hurd. And here with me in the studio, we've got Chloe Foster, John Arnott and Roger Elliott. And it's now time to invite our listeners to join us. So if you have a gardening question, a comment or um, something you just need us to hear, then we're all ears. Uh, Give us a call on 94190155 or you can text in. We can't accept images via text, but we can accept whatever you've got to say. So the number is 0488 809 855. Another option, if you don't want to text or call, uh, you can email us. The emails get addressed in the following episode of the show. So uh, we'll, we'll talk through some emails later in the show this afternoon. But if you want to 
talk to us via email. The address is 3cr.gardening at gmail.com. So please uh, give us a call now. So, on with the show. (laughs) Eliacarpus, there's a reserve just to the south, it's in Cranbourne South, uh, called Morning Mist. And um, it... it, Eliacarpus are so dominant there, it feels like you're in East Gippsland. Wow. They must have been there for a long time because they're actually big, they're actually big yeah. trees. They're, they, it actually feels like a little piece of warm temperate rainforest in East Gippsland. Mm. And it's as abundant as Petostrum undulatum in terms of its spread, just in this one reserve. So I agree, Roger. I think it's a it's it's I think it's proven to be yeah, well, pretty weedy. Lovely little miniature olive-like fruits, which mm. birds love. Bird lollies. Yeah. yeah. So I probably shouldn't plant one in my garden. Then. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say <sighs> if, if you're in dense suburban areas, okay. Yep. If you're near. Within if you're going five hedge- kilometres of bushland, yeah. mm. I'd say probably, probably not. If you're going to hedge okay. them too, it's probably going to be all right. Well, if, the you, flowers, if you prune them at the right time. Yeah, but the, the flowers are off on the old wood. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, the, yeah that's right. They're not. So it's good advice can't prune to them listeners. Off. Good mm. advice to listeners. Yeah, to, it's such a pity. Mm. But, uh, I wonder if the prima donna oh, cultivar yeah. is the same. Because mm-hmm. at Morning Mist, they were this, this, the straight, well, right, I mean, right. just the white one, yeah. 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 The prima donna is just, that's not a, is it a cultivar or it's is it just a, a form? It's just a selection. Just a form, yeah. 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 Because when so you see it on the pretty. east coast of, or south east coast of New South Wales, you'll get a whole range of colours okay. in the population. Okay. So, so. But maybe some of the other Eliacarpus uh, uh, would be potentially less weedy. Mm. Grandis and some of the New South Wales. Yamundi. Yamundi. I'm seeing that a lot at the moment. Yep. Because it's, you get the height, yep. glossy green leaf. Beautiful which thing. Is what people love. Yeah. And... Uh, it's got, you know, big sort of olive. They look like um, Kalamata olives, yeah, the fruit. Right. Yeah. Do you know if they're potentially weedy? Don't know, you? but it's a, a flavour of the, I was going to say, the monthly Monday. You, you read about people mm. promoting it quite a bit. Mm. Yeah. So, so maybe some of the other Eliacarpus might mm. be less yeah. um, less weedy. Yeah. There's a, there's a little one in the Victorian flora, I think it's Eliacarpus hollow petalus. Oh. Which is pretty slow, so that I think that would be a lot safer. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, a different looking thing. It, and slower it, growing. And much slower growing. Yeah. Yeah. People won't like that. They want their <laughs> plant to grow straight to the height that they want it yeah. as yeah. soon as you put it in. And no higher. Yeah. And no, no higher. Yeah. A gonus flexuosa, twelve feet. But it's great to talk about these other options because it also, you know, if people go to their nurseries and ask for these things, then it puts them on the radar. Mm. Mm. So that's great. Mm. And then, you know, hopefully that it gets then fed back to the growers that this is what the people want. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. I feel like the hort grapevine is pretty, it's well well established. People in horticulture talk and, um, yeah, whether growers want to grow those things is also up for debate. Yeah. <laughs> it matters what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, Aliocarpus is... Easy to grow. I'm sure the uh, the other species of Aliacarpus are just as easy Think so. to grow as well. Yep. Just and the the common name of Aliacarpus that's a blueberry ash. Isn't blueberry it? ash. Yes. Yeah. 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 They're they're a lovely plant for anyone that's not familiar with them. They've got a sort of a lanceolate leaf shape with um, an ashy margin to the mm. leaf that uh, is very characteristic of of the 
Yeah, the, the leaves are really quite beautiful, aren't they? they are. it's, when it's it rains, like, they go silver. Yeah, yeah, like a little salty crust mm. or something yeah. on there. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Sort of bronzy coloured new growth as well. And yeah. the, the flowers are so cute. They're, they are little ballerina tutus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They <laughs> are. That's the perfect description. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Ballerina tutu tree. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and, and the old leaves go quite bright red mm. on it. So you get this mix. Yeah. yeah. Mm. If you're looking for a similar flower, I'd recommend calmia. They, yeah. they oh, have yeah. a similar flower to That's, that. Not native, but no, still beautiful. A bit harder to grow. Yes, true. <laughs> I, I like to put in the curly, the curly <laughs> the ones that are a bit fine, tricky. Fine for you up where you are. I think yeah, yeah. People in the lower suburbs of Melbourne will have strife. Yes, this is true. My, my son lives in America and there's Colmere's Wild all around the place where he is in Pennsylvania. So. Yeah, there you probably don't want them as much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John, you were about to say something. And I forget what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's okay. I so. you. <laughs> Shall we roll on with some plants? Oh, we haven't brought any in to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you the room is one. full. Oh, yeah, I've got a couple back there. Yeah, Chloe, let's have a chat. What well, you got, Chloe? Oh, well, we probably, we've pro- okay, we'll start with the crap one. Cause <laughs> oh, really? Well, it's, it's not crap. It's been in a vase for a bit too long and now it's starting to go off. The foliage is stunning. Mm. I picked it off a neighbour's – I was on my walk recently and I picked it um, with permission off the neighbour's – the plant was growing in the front lawn and it's a very old, established plant in the Proteaceae family. Mm. Not quite sure what it is though. I'm quite sure it's a Protea. It's a Protea. Protea, yeah. But don't know what species it is. Rogers uh, guessed that it might I, be. I don't know. It's Grandiseps or Magnifica, but I, I could be wrong there. I, you know, it's ages since I've been involved. I it's think. got a flower bud on it, so I'm going to go back in a couple of weeks. I reckon it's Magnifica, because yeah. uh, around the corner yeah. from our house, there's mm. that exact thing, and it produces this extraordinary flower. Mm. Yeah, well, like, the foliage is stunning. It's got this pinky red margin on it, and then just this really thick, upright, bluey green. Foliage. It's mm. it's a stunning plant. Yep. It so. almost looks like a senecio, like a um, a flapjack. Mm. Those succulents. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It Obviously, does. without the fleshy leaf, but that's the size for listeners. It does look the, succulent. The leaf it does look succulent like, mm. and it's a really. Oh, the plant's probably about forty years old, and it's only about a meter high, yeah. and maybe what? one and a half wide, and it's got, it's gotten quite gnarly, gnarly too. Yeah, yeah, and in growing in pretty pretty average yeah. um, clay soil as well. Nice one. Yeah, Protea magnifica. Let's call it. Yeah, I'll send a photo into to, be, to be confirmed. Yeah, to be confirmed. <laughs> but it, it certainly has that look. Yeah, yeah. I I just. Plucked a couple of things out of my garden um, this morning, uh, and I've just realised that one one of them uh, is I think one of the the downiest, beautiful, mm. most soft foliage. It's Eremophila nivea, and I think it's one of the cultivars. Rog, would that make sense? Uh, well, one of the one of the named forms. It, 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 it may be. I look. It could be just one of the natural just, forms. Just one of the natural forms. But Eremophila nivea, it's got this magnificent – it's a fantastic foliage plant. So mm. it sits in the garden. My garden's very small. Um, so the, the, there's two Eremophila niveas that are probably a metre and a half tall, rounded. 
I'm finding myself in a coastal garden clipping everything into a, into round um, uh, spheres. Very, very Fiona yeah, Brockoff. <laughs> yeah, very, very Fiona Brockoff. Yeah. But it just kind of, it just, I just find myself rather than getting secateurs, getting the hedging shears out, and it, just making these these spheres in is the garden it because they're growing quicker. Probably to prune them more. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. but. The Eremophila nivea's are structural elements in the garden, so structural mm. elements don't necessarily have to be trees. Mm. Um, in a in a small garden, this this um, uh, shrub uh, uh, is is actually forming the the, the bones of of, of, the, of the garden. Beautiful silvery downy, um, uh, yeah, let's call them spheres mm. uh, in the garden. But with these gorgeous flowers, there's um, three great things about making those spheres. One being that they look really lovely in the garden. They create such an interesting shape and element amongst, you know, other plants that you leave shaggy. Yep. Um, and then you get a really good workout. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of, it's a bit meditative making these spheres in the garden. It feels like creating order amongst chaos, do you feel? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. For sure. So Eremophila nivea, gorgeous, gorgeous purple flowers um, and magnificent soft downy, downy foliage. Is it a grafted plant? It is a grafted plant, yeah. Because yep. we, we have a friend who actually strikes Eremophila nivea cuttings in a glass of water. Oh, really? Now, I, I couldn't believe it first, but that's what she does. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Mm. It must be warm enough. Yeah, she uh, does the them on her sill. north-facing kitchen windowsill, and sure enough, it works. So, Ooh. which I just could not believe. That's extraordinary. But mm. yeah, so Ooh. we'll all go home and try yeah. that. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> but um, it's not a long-lived plant in nature. Mm. It's well, it's one of those plants that uh, comes up madly after fires. Oh, okay, so it's like a that. colonizer. So, yeah, yeah. And mm. uh, so, if people do have them and they start to look a bit funny. That's that can happen. Do the grafted ones last for a bit longer? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I think pruning them is going to help. That would help. Uh, yeah. After flower, give them. Or well, certainly, I've I get stuck into them after after they finish flowering. They can sporadically flower through a lot of the year. It's the main flowering period is right it's now. Now, but they really... they'll, they'll they do flow the odd flower. Yeah. All year round. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, pruning post that spring flower flush is. Yeah. Probably going to lengthen their life a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And beautiful, big, bright, open purple flowers on them too. Oh, We've spoken about the, the white, grey foliage, but the flowers are a bit of a contrast yeah. on mm. them. Um, big open throat. Yep. Good for yeah. honey eaters. Hey, maybe I'll put a photo of the garden to, to illustrate that little things can be structural. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll put a photo of the, the garden in um, onto the Facebook, onto the socials. Yeah. And the, the, the big... Grey things, uh, this Eremophila nivea, and yeah, they f- form the bones of of a little coastal garden in Bomb Beach. Mm, I'm sure like listeners would really appreciate having a look at your garden. Yeah, it's like um, a therapy session. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so, so velvety. It's it, it velvety. Yeah. yeah, our little granddaughter Elsie, um, almost every time that she comes into it, and she's at our house a lot, um, she'll she'll touch the plant on yep. on the way in. Yep. Yeah. And you know if kids like it, it must be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, um, uh, what's that? The, um, lamb's ears? Yes. Yes. 
I can't help. I mean, it's it's a horrible plant, but I cannot help but touch <laughs> no, it every time. No, it's just I go so uh, textural. It's a very useful plant. Yeah, it is a useful plant. The statue is it? Nice. Why is it useful? As a, as a ground cover. Oh uh, yes, okay. It's uh, it's not medicinal or not that I know. No, of, no. no. Mm. But it's interesting that the name Nivea means snowy. Okay. Mm. So. Oh, yeah, there you go. That makes sense. Pimelia nivea has yeah. got the white hairs it's underneath yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Pimelia nivea. Yeah. A snow, the snowy pimelia. That smells Is that really a common name? No, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a funny smell to it. You don't put it outside a bedroom window. Oh, no. I can't smell it. Can't you? I cannot smell pimelia pom- nivea. No. Can you smell? when it gets wet. What about baronias? Do you Yeah, yeah no, I get baronias. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you get the good. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's, a <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, all right. No, I, I, people say don't grow Pimelia nivea because it's, it's stinky. I have to stick my nose in it to smell it. Is it? What's it smell like? Off something. Off, uh, as in yucky. Yeah, Bad food. yeah, yeah. Ran- slightly rancidy. Yeah. No, never have experienced that. Yeah. Uh, no. Next bring, time you're in the gardens and it's flowering in the in the peppermint garden. Been there you so it's many there. times. It's no, it's don't. I actually don't it. get it. Yeah. It's amazing. For gardeners at home that want common names, Pimelia nivea is called the rice flower, I think. Uh, Pimelia, the general common name is rice flower. I don't know yeah. what the common name is for Pimelia nivea. Okay. Might be just Tasmanian rice flower, but I'm not too sure. Mm. It's, a, it's a rice flower. Yes. Yeah, it's a white, white flower. And Definitely. then with the, with the plant that John was talking about, the Eremophila, um, colloquially known as emu bush. Yes. If you if you want that name, and, and emu bush because uh, a, a good number of eremophilas are tricky to germinate from seed, uh, and um, at, at the zoo years and years and years ago, we went around collecting emu pats mm. and picked out some eremophila seeds from emu pats and. So they're a vector of they're, sorts. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why they've and, named them. And maybe there's, there's some sort of – it goes through the system of an emu and there's some sort of stratification mm. or something. We collected emu pets when I went up to the Grampians in the, in the gardens <laughs> trip when I was at the gardens. <laughs> but trying to nothing, get astrolomas, right? Yeah, we, we, we were yeah, chasing we astrolomas, yeah. But I, nothing germinated. No. I don't know what I did wrong. That's why. I, that's why I got, like, you got rid of me after that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do at work today? Oh, I just, you know. Played with emu poos. Played with, played with poos. <laughs> and then the next day I think I was just using a blowtorch and burning Banksia cones. It was the best. <laughs> Speaking of Banksia cones, I brought in one of from a Banksia integrifolia um, today. I was um, near Kilcunda yesterday and they're uh, everywhere on the beautiful Banksias. And it's lovely because they're in bloom Mm. And then they've also got their seed pods, so they're just looking triumphant along the coastline. They're so beautiful. <laughs> and this one was in a dog's mouth, <laughs> and they dropped it, and I picked it up, and I you know, kind of brushed it off, and, and now it's here. All the follicles yep. are open on that one, almost. Yeah. Yeah, well, they tend to shed their seeds in Tegrifolia. Mm. They, they shed the seeds. The marginata sheds their seeds. Yeah. Others hang on to them. Yeah. Another interesting thing I noticed which sort of circles back to the, the burning premise of, of native plants. Something that it seemed like they were doing for land management purposes, they had trimmed back all the grasses and burnt them okay. individually. And so ah. along the coast, and I mean a whole paddock full 
of them right. and looked like there were more that they were planning to do. So I'm, I'm interested to know if anyone knows why. It could um, be an ecological burn. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But maybe it's to try and establish the grasses in a more intense mm. fashion. Like maybe the burn will make them uh, produce better coverage of the, of the land for erosion. I doubt they would have pruned it before they burnt it. Oh, they I probably reckon, just burnt it. I reckon what you're seeing is because Melton Botanic Gardens have burnt patches of their grasses before and it just the grass tuft just ends up being this little dome yep. of black and yep. it looks yeah. like it's been pruned but it's been singed. Yeah, that, if, that's what it looks like, Emma. Mm. If it was out west yeah. on the on the Basel Plain, yes. um, the, the purpose – oh, yeah, cool, cool. The purpose of um, – of ecological burning is to stop the dominance of the grasses mm. and keep the – it's called an intertussock. So it's mm. the gaps in between the, the, the tussocks. Yep. That's where all the little, little wildflowers and orchids forbs and, and forbs and, and you know, mm. daisies and things like that mm. exist. They exist in the gaps okay, between, so between the tussocks. And if uh, these areas don't get burned, the grasses become dominant and it produces a grassy sward mm. and that little niche, that spot, um, is no longer available for wildflowers and things like that. So they're trying to create an ecological space. Space. Mm. Yeah. 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 For yeah. other other plants to to colonise to, to live. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. And was it windy down there yesterday? <laughs> it was. It was so windy. Hopefully, you enjoyed the undersurface of the banks in Tegrafolia, leaves oh. being all silver. Yes, <laughs> you're right. They were. They were really beautiful, and they have. Well, just everything about Banksy and Tegrafoli is beautiful. Mm, like even the, great. even the bark mm. of the of the tree of the shrub itself is beautiful. Mm. I suppose they can be tree formed if you prune them. Mm. Yeah. Mm, can be a substantial mm. tree, yeah. Mm. yeah. On the coast, you don't you tend to find them more shrubs because the wind is beating yeah. them yeah. down. <laughs> At Kilcunda, they would have been dwarfed. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, again, it. Seaford at my brother's along the Cannock Creek. Yep. They're, I don't know, five or six metres, yeah. some of them, getting, some of the really old ones. Than that. Yeah, yeah, along the railway line there, there's some, yeah. there's some big ones. In the property next next to us, it, it, um, there are remnant banks here in Tegrafolias, and they've got to be 10 metres tall. Mm. They're really mm. big and, you know, big around the base. And that's that's what's so lovely about the plant is that it can be so different in different landscapes. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And that's that's a lot of native plants. They're really versatile. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. uh, and and respond to the in, in environment. We uh, the um, it, it's it's interesting. You, you you wonder sometimes whether um, small stature in the wild is the product of the genet the, the genes, um, or whether it's the product of the physical yeah. the physical environment. Is it environmental or is it is it genetic? Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you before, Roger. Acacia bailiana, mm. where did they find that? Because I, I'm not too sure where that originated from. Whether, whether it was just a seedling came up in a batch in a nursery, I'm, I'm not too sure. Because mm. a lot, yeah, a lot of these dwarf forms, yeah. you would see them. A lot of the native plants with the in, that we are available in dwarf form, and they're naturally occurring because we're not that far down the road of cultivating and breeding mm. Australian plants. So a lot of the Weird sizes and forms you can get is it's naturally occurring, whether yeah. it's been, a, you know, a, something that's popped up in a nursery, but a lot of the time it's come out of the wild somehow. Mm. Um, oh, well, that's right. Things like uh, Banksy birthday candles, mm. which originally from seed collected near Ulladulla area, New South Wales. Really? 
and Banksy and Tegrafolia roller coaster. Yeah. They come from the same area, and so they just did a series of uh, propagations, collecting seedlings, and so selection. Yeah, so you could you could have seen that growing on a cliff or on the coast or something. Yep, it might have been environmentally dwarf. Yes, you take it, you take that plant material, propagate it in a nursery, and it starts to grow into a tree again. Yeah, but these forms have taken out, and they're naturally occurring. They're stable and stable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is Acacia parvissima, so-called prostrate form, um, which I think is a lovely plant. Oh, it's beautiful. And. in our small garden, like John's, our garden's smaller than yours, John. Um, <laughs> Probably not, right? <laughs> and uh, we've just got it growing across the ground, and it, we just let it wander through other things, which I love that sort of mm. thing. Mm. You know, people say, why don't you cut it back? I said, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> just just let it wander through. So it's growing through Grevillea lanidra, and there's some photos on the uh, Facebook page uh, that will show you what it's like. But that... I, I don't know where this originated from either. All I remember, State Schools Nursery, which is now the Holmes Glen mm. um, thing over at mm. uh, Waverley, um, they had a beautiful plant just cascading over a wall probably two metres high and just let it cascade. And uh, so has to be grown from cuttings. And hardy, right? Oh, yeah. 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 No, no problems. Um, is that the Karanga Cascade? No, that you've got there? different. So is that different to... Coringa Provisia? Cascade is Cultraformis, I think. Oh. This is Provisima. Did okay. I say Provisima? Mm-hmm. You, did, you did. I thought Coringa Cascade was Provisima. No. It's a Cultraformis. So... Ah, ah, stand corrected. Acacia Provisima, northeastern Victoria. Yeah, it's the uh, oven's wattle. Oven's wattle. That's pretty yeah. interesting, though, Chloe, because I recently used the Coringa Cascade on a project with... Um, with APL, Andrea Proctor Landscapes, and, and the label does say Pavissima. Does it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Ooh. that's not to say that anyone's wrong. It's just yeah. maybe there's mislabeling or... Oh, that wouldn't happen in the nursery industry. <laughs> no, 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 that'd be impossible. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> check and double check. Yeah. It does happen. It does It does happen. So, Cultraformis uh, uh, is the thing in the uh, northern display gardens at the Cranbourne Garden on the graft, isn't it? That, yeah, that's that, the, whack, right, that's that wacky yeah, with the gray. on a standard. They've yeah. both got that triangular-shaped mm. foliage. Yeah. Really yeah. unique. The well, Cultraformis has got a l- larger leaf or phyllode than and, mm. a Provisima. And, and a bit thicker? Thicker, bit, yeah. Bit, yeah. And the other gray. one with the triangular leaf is Howittii. That has a nice... Acacia Howittii? Yeah. That yeah. has a nice triangular... Mm. Leaf too. And a nice scent. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. A lot of wattles got nice scents. Yep. Mm. Yeah. What else you got there, Roger? Can we talk about the Corazima that you've already enjoyed? Oh, sure. Um, so Corazima, uh, and again, I'll, I'll take some pics and, and send them up, but it, it, it's we, we were talking about this as heralding spring because uh, it, it starts to kick in sort of late winter, early spring. Mm. It's in full flight at the moment, uh, and it's uh, a Western Australian pea flower with these sort of bicolour uh, pink and orange, pinky and orange flowers, um, but so just a gorgeous nice. thing. And, um, yeah, the plants in, in, in the garden, uh, look, I do literally nothing to them apart from give them a bit of a clip once they finish flowering. Yeah. Um, in sandy soil, pretty dry and coping really nicely. So pretty hardy thing. I don't know how long-lived they are. 
I'd give it, say, five, eight years. Five, eight years, that's pretty good value. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty good value. And they will climb up something if they've, oh, they'll go if they've got it. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon they... A real they, branch climber. Mm. They remind me of a salvia in their form. Sure. So I would, I would call them, like, the native version of a salvia. And that's because the, the, mm. the flower on on the brand, you know, on the tips. Yeah, yeah, like a like a salvia does. It's uh, yeah, like yeah, a native salvia. That's so yeah. The, there's a bit of controversy about the name. Oh, is it? Well, it's a corazima. Yeah, but um, some people say it's cordatum, and other people will say it's a cross between cordatum and variofolium. Okay. Some would say it's very a folio. Right. Okay. But that, that happens. Is this but the, it's still beautiful. The one that's in cultivation? Yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah. Corazima cordatum is quite rare. Oh, oh really? In the wild, yeah. Really? So what would, you, what would you say, Rog, if I was to say, what's that? I, I'd say maybe it's a hybrid between very folium and, and cordatum. But don't, don't worry about that. No. No. no it's just it's, it's yeah. a gorgeous thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Miff Warhurst and Zan Rowe have a podcast called Bang On, <laughs> and the uh, the logo for it is striped like bright pink and bright orange, and this is their flower of the show. Nice. <laughs> They've just Zan's just she was on Gardening Australia right, a yeah. couple of months ago, okay, and she's just gotten into gardening in the last couple of years, got a new house, and has you know really got stuck into it. Nice. And he's and he's doing up her garden, and she's come across this. Um, I think one of the listeners of the Three CR Gardening Show has actually helped her with the garden and probably put her onto this one. Nice. Um, we love to hear it. We <laughs> yeah. love to hear yeah. the influence yeah. of Three CR. Yeah. Well, that's the theme for the Congress: influence mm-hmm. and action. Yeah. Oh. Well, this is the, yeah. This is their flower of the podcast. <laughs> that species. It's very good. It's Maybe we need it. to pick a flower of the podcast. Maybe we need to have we a. We should. A three CR flower. Yeah, text text in your suggestions, yeah. listeners, and call God, us. that could be that's going to be a very long list, isn't it? Because of all the yeah. you, know, you can tune into a, a show today where we're not exclusively talking native plants, but mm-hmm. um, you know, with, uh, but yeah, I mean the diversity of panelists and yeah. the diversity of plant interests, you know, everything from trilliums to corazima. We might have hybrids. to pick a weed and something that's just super widespread <laughs> yeah. to cover everyone's <laughs> knowledge base. Another three CR. A thistle. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. True. Well, I'll take the opportunity. Sorry. No, you're <laughs> fine, Roger. I'll take the opportunity to say our phone numbers again. It's our talk to us on air nine four one nine zero one five five, or text us o four eight 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 zero nine eight double five. But we'll take the opportunity to read some of the text messages we've been getting. Oh, great. So we've got, hey, everyone, can confirm as a worker in a nursery or in the nursery industry that the labels of Agonis flexuosa still say it grows only to two metres tall? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. That might be one of the dwarf ones. Yeah. Hopefully. It could Hopefully, be. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't put it past them, though. The, oh, nursery labels are horrid. So is, there is a flexuosa nana. Nana. Yeah, mm. yeah. Very susceptible to myrtle rust, I believe. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I did the, hear that, um, yeah. One of the sentinels. Yeah, sentinels. Yeah. I do know some people that work in the nursery label industry and they are great horticulturalists. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, so um, I won't have a go at every nursery <laughs> label yeah, there is. No, 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 no. Sometimes it's the person putting the label on that gets it wrong. And, yeah. you know, mistakes get made. It's okay. I think oh, mistakes get made. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of the newer labels are a lot better, but it's the labels that are probably 20 years old. Mm. 
that are really basic and they just must have gone through a stage of creating Full really generic labels. Oh, yeah, right. that is all. Yeah, most <laughs> soils well-drained. Well, I think often in, in those times the nursery people would supply, say, Norwood Press and other people with the text mm. and they would just print them. Mm. And then they put on horticulturists and so they've improved there. Definitely. Yeah. And these days, I mean, a lot of... I go to Karanga and you see a lot of the newer varieties that are coming out and the big fancy labels that they have. Mm. A label sell, unfortunately, mm. sells a plant these days. Mm. And I look at them and the information on them is a lot more accurate than what some of the That's older good. style labels oh, yeah. Yeah, can we good. Can we start a petition to no longer allow labels to be plastic? Can we? Can we make them... Something else. I'm not sure what. Mm. Sorry, I don't have the answers, but I really hate plastic labels. And could we make them like a website where you can go to get more information or a QR a code? QR code. Yeah. Instead of, you know, and then the website can be updated regularly with new information. I mean, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll give some people some jobs. Influence yeah. and action. Let's yeah. start it here. People yeah, are no too more lazy, plastic though. labels. No more plastic. People are too lazy and have no imagination. I'm being no, a complete Debbie Downer. Be. But no, people have no imagination and they have a lot, not everyone, a lot of people have absolutely no idea what they want when they walk into a nursery. Yeah, they it's need a very picture. overwhelming and they want, and that's why, unfortunately, big fancy labels sell plants. But it but would force. probably biodegradable. Oh, uh, surely there is. Yeah, surely. But isn't isn't the isn't the but isn't the point that that the label is there as a um, to tell you what the plant is in perpetuity for people that haven't got good memories? And people, that's another reason why they want to keep the labels need to be um, long lived. <laughs> metal etched. Yeah. You know, like just the the I mean the hand you know, mm. handwritten yeah um, the label. I mean they the aluminium things. I mean they're, they're not that, going to sell plants. Mm. At least aluminium's infinitely recycled. Yeah, 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 and it persists and doesn't fade. Mm. It's interesting that you, you can go into a lot of gardens and um, you'd pick up. It labels can be litter. Yeah. Mm. Like gardens can be littered yeah. with with labels. Oh, I dig up my garden all the time and, and like the veggie like, garden yeah. and there's a the 20-year-old parsley label yes. there. And it's still in – you wipe it off yeah, yeah. and it looks brand new. Yeah. But the other reason I advocate for less plastic labels is that then nurseries would have to employ more horticulturalists mm. to talk about the plants. To communicate. Exactly. And we, we love that idea. Yes. We love horticulturalists getting jobs. And – people would understand that starting a garden is also about community and starting a conversation and not just going into a store and purchasing a bunch of living things they don't know anything about and then taking them home and them dying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hey, I've just Googled it. Plastic-free plant labelling. Plant labels, PP, are easy to write on and reuse. They're um, wooden lollipop sticks, bamboo plant, plant mm. stakes, slate labels, copper, aluminium. Yes. So there are the, all the different materials yeah. that you can get. Yeah. 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 And there are some retail nurseries that are stepping in that direction. So right. I know there's one near me that's called Forest Edge Permaculture Nursery and they just use paddle pop sticks. Yeah. Um and so there are there are organizations working on it. But I want it to go faster. <laughs> no more plastic labels. Yeah, we um, 
it's something that the nursery industry we're getting better at with recycling pots and yeah. using recycled plastic for pots but yeah. the labels thing is something that we do need to be better at i do so, find it interesting though like even the pots i've tried to find companies that will reuse them rather than mm. recycle them there yeah. used to be companies that would wash them clean them yeah. and um, make sure that they didn't harbor any fungus things like that so yeah. it was it's quite an intensive process but it's not as intensive as recycling the plastic. Um, I cannot find companies that, that will uh, reuse them. Uh, yeah, there's a um, – it can be done now. There's a company – I'm trying to remember their name. Thing, uh, I'm very excited it. by this. <laughs> and I should, should know this name. Oh, Roger, um, email us ma- later. Yeah, <laughs> ma- major plastics. You know, Garden Sydney plastics. Garden Sydney plastics. No, they, they recycle. Yes, they, they've set up a, a company for recycling, even black pots, which yeah. supposedly weren't able to be recycled. But still before. not washing them, no, still not reusing no, no, them. They're reproducing more pots yes. in using, but at least it's they're not being thrown in just landfill. Yeah, you're 100% right. Garden City Plastics do a great job, mm. and lots of nurseries you can go to and they will have a collection bay for your yep. pots. Mm. So yep. rather than put them in your recycle bin, take them back to your nursery because um, Garden City Plastics will use them. There's – now I'm blanking on the name. So the – at Melbourne Polytechnic, our retail nursery has just reopened a couple of we- a couple of months ago. It's oh, called great. Yarra Edge Nursery. Great. We've just gotten in a big, big crate that's a pot recycling crate. So if mm. Melbourne Poly in the Yarra Edge Nursery in Fairfield, you can take – from the general public, you mm. can take your pots there and put it into our recycling crate, a company – I'm just again, I've gone blank on the name. A company comes when it's full, takes okay. it away, and they recycle them. I, mm. I find leaving pots on the nature strip. Um, yeah. They pe- go. Yeah, mm. they go. Yeah, they go pretty quickly, actually. Yep. Yeah. I would say for anyone at home that does just want to reuse plastic pots, rinsing them out with vinegar, like a, a solution, mm. di- dilute some vinegar, um, and, and you can clean them and make sure that they're good for propagating moving forward so um, if it can just be a grassroots thing where we recycle less and reuse more as a first step then that's you know can't always call on bigger organizations to help if we can do it ourselves Mm. Mm. so that's that's one option clean them yourself (laughs) yeah we used to have i worked at a production nursery when i was a very fresh horticulturalist Straight out of high school. What a great experience. Oh, well, it was an experience. <laughs> um, we, the, we, they used to have a, a big steamer to steam mm. all of the um, plug trays yep. and pots that we, mm. we, that we use in, in propagation. But then this new technology came out for Jiffy Pots and the little Coya Peak plugs. And it's a lot less time than having a staff member standing there filling the plug trays so they got rid of the plug trays and now use these coir peat filled little plugs which they just buy in so it used to be a bit more sustainable now it's still sustainable but not as much because you're not because you're using the jiffy pots but you're using a plant material like i don't know where that's come from whether something's been cut down or whether it's a byproduct hmm. and it's to make the process more efficient. So, Koya, 
Yeah. Yeah. Koi is koi a palm? Koi is coconut. Yeah, off the coconut. Yeah, yeah. husk. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of Koya products used these days. I don't know how sustainable it is. If like I feel like it's being used increasingly more. Mm. Well, we know peat is not sustainable. Peat isn't sustainable. But whether I'm the my understanding of Koya is not strong enough to know whether it is or not. Mm. Can it's, be, I... it's better than it's better than going into a bog and <laughs> yes. as you know um yeah, yeah. Peat bog. yeah. 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 And it yeah it's slicing it off um yeah it's better than that it, is it would have to be wouldn't it oh just now while we've slightly. got a moment we've got virginia on the line so i'm just going to pick her up and we can have a chat i wonder which virginia this might be <laughs> hello virginia hi there hello jim hello, Jenny. <laughs> sorry to keep <laughs> you waiting it is the expected, Virginia. <laughs> I want, to, I want to say, I'm enjoying the show, gang. I wanted to say on the labels, one thing that Karanga and people like that don't seem to ever think about, we don't want to put big, plastic, bright photos in our gardens. But quite often we would like to be able to keep the label on a plant for a while because some of us forget very readily what a plant is called mm. and would like to keep a record. And that's one reason for not doing them. I mean, I buy it from Craig and he's got them written on a small bit of white plastic. I'm quite happy to stick that in the garden with the plant till I've learned it properly. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, which absolutely horrifies me, I went into Safeways, just Woolworths, whatever the hell it's called now, just <laughs> shopping, and they had a whole lot of plants for sale, and a whole lot of them didn't even t- not not only did they not have the Latin name, they didn't have any name. They were selling plants that were nameless. They mm. had labels, but they didn't have a name on them. Mm. Um, yeah, that's odd. Yeah, which is just just I mean, it's just pissing the that's, public. It's that just is telling the public they're idiots. That's bonkers, Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was this week too. Oh my gosh. Mm. So I thought it was totally, totally, totally unreasonable. So, yes, I, I have to say I completely agree with you, Emma. There's a desperate need for labels to be recyclable and, mm. also, or, or, and also to be usable in your garden. Yeah. yeah. I don't want something that's four inches by four inches hanging from a plant. I wonder if they could do something nifty, like make them, make them all a little bit – make the labels – homogenous in terms of their size um, and then have like a little collector's album where everyone, you know, uh, that's starting yes. their new garden gets a little album and they can collect their plant labels like like footy cards. Like stamps. Yeah, like stamps, like footy mm. cards, like um, those, those matchbox. You all out because you can't remember which plant is still alive <laughs> Yeah, which goes with. Yeah, well, maybe maybe at home gardeners can create their own albums. Some of them do. But yeah. to Chloe's point earlier, um, labels sell plants. Yes, yeah, and and, and they are they've gone from mm. identifying a pr- provision of information to to um, a marketing marketing tools. Yeah, yeah. marketing tools. Yeah. So th- th- yeah, Australia happens to be the leader in it. They were the yeah, ones right. who first started it. Yeah. And can I say one other thing before I hop away? I did something really silly last week. I told the listeners that I'm taking a walk in the Botanic Gardens next Sunday 
But I told them I was doing it at two and I'm doing it at half past one. Right. Well, half past one, we'll see you there, Jen. Yes. And I, I, I keep getting my times and dates wrong and I promise to reform. So what, what day is it? Next Sunday. Next Sunday, which is the yes. 25th at one yes. thirty. So at there you go. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. And and Jin, you're coming along to the seventh Global Botanic Gardens Congress. I am, and I'm really excited. Mm, I saw a name on the delegates list. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and thought, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, what's she doing there? And and, and you're com- coming along representing um, Plant Trust, and yes. we're one of the recipients of those Victorian um, uh, grants. So that, yes. that that was nice. Absolutely, and I'm really excited to go. And I have I have a clash. I have my garden open for the next conference that's at the Botanic Gardens, which is the Guides Conference, the last week of October. And to take a whole week off making my garden look respectful enough mm. for visitors is very naughty. Hey, hey Jim, we've, we've, we're doing a, a talk at that. We haven't even started. I was going to text you when I got off the phone to say, ring me today. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have to come for a coffee after the show because we yeah. have to move along. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, we've got to go. We're still on air. This is off air. Yeah, this, it is, yeah, so, yeah, sorry, Jen. I, I just wanted to take ring that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for calling in, Virginia. Bye, all. Bye. Bye. Emma, I think another text message has yeah. come through. I can't read it. Yes, you are eagle-eyed. Thank you for reminding me. So we've got – oh, there's quite a few. So, hi, team. Could you recommend what native plants I could put into the sh- into a shaded spot? It's on the north side of the garden, shaded by a fence. Would like to plant a climbing plant or a tree to cover the fence. Any advice around – Gardening in the shade or semi-shade would be appreciated. Peter mm. from Altona. Beauty. Here's one Roger prepared earlier. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, there is a really excellent climber. You can grow it as a shrub if you want, but it, it will climb. Mm. And it's got a great big long name. It's called a Aphanopetalum resinosum. It's A P H A N O P E T. A-L-U-M, resinosum is R-E-S-I-N-O-S-U-M. It's called the gum vine. It has um, mid-green shiny leaves and then it's just starting to come into massive flower at the moment. It's a slight, well, it's a deep cream, I'd call it. Maybe it's not a yellow. Um, White, yeah. Whitish cream, I suppose. And uh, it's just massed. And it's a wonderful climber because it will keep its foliage to ground level. Mm. Mm. Most climbers tend to go up that's and a, up the top. Show their ankles. Yeah, yeah that's a uh, real <laughs> asset because you don't want the spindly naked yeah. vine at, no, the, at no. the base. Sometimes that can happen for a, a metre or two. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And that's it's, right. it's not very attractive. No. So this sounds marvellous. So... It's um, it comes from southeast Queensland and northeastern New South Wales in the coastal rainforest there, where it does grow very, 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 very large, but in a garden situation you can keep it. Uh, you know, we we've got it. It's probably a meter and a half high, I suppose, um, and it's 
spread quite a distance along, but it's it's just a lovely plant. It's related to the New South Wales Christmas bush. So if people know the Ceratopetalum with the somewhat um, starry type flower heads, mm. um, it's like this. But the um, the stems are reddish in colour, on the, but it's just a, a lovely plant, and it flowers for a long time. And it it, it actually performs pretty nicely in in quite heavy shade as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does, and it'll take full sun. And take full sun. Yeah. The um in the Australian garden the border the fence line between the arid garden and the forest garden is is aphanapetalum. Yeah, there's and a, it's a photo on the web, on the Facebook page of of those, that those plants down there. Lovely. So that, uh, and it does create it a nice green screen yeah. all the way up. Yeah, it's very, it'll, very, it'll very dense. Well. Yeah, it's a useful useful thing. And you can ju- if you know just a bit of clipping it's, you know, just now and again, clip it, and uh, so that that's a very useful one. So it's called a Phanopetalum resinosum, or the gum vine. So a couple of other species I'm thinking of for shade and dry is Phyllotheca myoparoides. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Corias. Corias are fantastic, and uh, an underrated group of plants, or two of them actually. One is Fabalium. Nice. Squamulosums. Mm-hmm. And pomoderis. Yeah, I just love them so much. Do you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just... You've been talking to Neville Walsh. <laughs> and Matt Henderson, probably. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, I just think they're really underrated and they're not in your face, but yeah. they do a damn good job. They're really reliable. Nice. Yeah. Peter That's... didn't say what height he wants. Did he mention no, that? No, he just... Well, it seemed like quite a wide variety were options because he mentioned a climbing plant or a tree yeah. um, to cover the fence. But any advice for shade-tolerant plants? Yeah, well, Pomodorus are good. Mm. Pomodorus, yeah. yeah, probably yep. Lenigera. Lenigera and... Um, Elliptica. Aspera. Racemosa. Yeah, as- yeah. And I like Ruscus hypoglossum as well. Yeah. But it's oh, not native. Go, no, going into oh. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they have a lovely leaf and kind of interesting. The sarcococcus yeah. go with that yeah. They, too. Yeah. Where the yeah. flowers come out funny on the leaf. Yeah. 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 They're not tall plants necessarily, no. but they're, they're good for shade. And also yeah. in, that, in that realm is mahonias mm. too with the big, beautiful yellow flowers. Yeah, which they're, is they're good shade plants. Oh, correct. Which would <laughs> be a berberus. And there's a thing called macaque. Bella, which is probably the best thing for heavy, heavy shade. It does so well in heavy shade. And some of the Tamaceas, there's one called Tamacea solanacea, Mm -hmm. which is a really good, dense cover. And that has lovely mauve flower. Yeah, this one has probably more whitish, creamish flower, solanacea. Um, But the the foliage is lovely. It's it's a a bit like... um, I was going to say fig leaf, but that's wrong. Quercifolia. Yeah, yeah, it's a quercus type leaf. Mm. Yeah. They have gorgeous leaf margins. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and there's quite a wide variety of tamacias. Yeah, for sure. That are just gorgeous. Mm. And then there's a whole suite of um, rainforest understory um, plants that are that are really good in the shade. Mm. Um there was, <laughs> we've all got the forgetsies. Uh, there's, there's a thing called cuts. Yeah, there's, there's some really good rainforest plants. <laughs> yeah, full, yeah, full stop. There's <laughs> a thing called Cutsia Vibernia. It's a wonderful plant. It's, a wonderful plant. It, it's called the native hydrangea. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it's a gorgeous plant, really, really gorgeous plant. Heavy shade, and it, it, it's almost a cuba like as well. It's a beautiful thing. And beautiful and perfume a and the foliage, yeah. the flower perfume is mm. wonderful. 
And a cuba is good too. A cuba is good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The uh, gold dust plants. Yeah. Really lovely. Yep. Um, not for everyone. It's. It, I would say that's a divisive suggestion. Some people really dislike it. I like it. Yeah, I don't mind the cuba. I like the green ones. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my mother used to grow it. She thought it was wonderful in the cuba with the var- you know, variegation. Yeah. And to, to, yeah. Well, I've actually brought in a plant that I could suggest too. Um, it's a wasabi plant. Oh. Um, what? So if you would like a culinary shade-tolerant plant, then wasabi is one. Um, it has a leaf a little bit like uh, Ligularia reniformis. They won't get as big as the Ligularia, otherwise known as tractor seats, but they are mm. similar, sort of like a lily pad. Um, and you can eat the the leaves and the stems and you can also eat the flowers. And then after two years of it being in the ground, you can harvest the, the rhizomatic roots and you can uh, grate them for... Mm-hmm. Is that true wasabi right there? It is, yeah. yeah. So it needs a fair bit of moisture? It does. It is a bog plant yep. um, or, or a water plant. Um, Do you have it sitting in a saucer all the yeah. time? So my preference is to, I grow it in a pot mm. and, with a saucer underneath of it mm. because I'm fairly new to growing wasabi and living where I do, which is in Alinda. I do not want to introduce any weeds, and I'm not sure of how rampant wasabi could go. So that's a word of caution to anyone that wants to grow it. Um, I don't know. Just keep it in a pot. And that would be easy if you did get to the point where you wanted to use the roots. You could just pull it out, pull some of the roots off, and then repot it again into a bigger pot or into multiple other pots. Yeah. And And they do – what I have noticed is – a bit like strawberries, the the they will send out mm-hmm. runners and create little sucker baby plants. Okay. So that's what makes me think it could move around. That, yeah, you could end up with much more than you bargained for. So I would advise don't plant it anywhere you don't want it and can't keep it contained. Yeah. But that's Wasabia japonica. So that that likes the shape. Margot McDonald has just sent through a, a picture of I'm in the bush and I'm I'm looking at a climber. Can you identify it for me, please? Um, I'll text you back, Margot, because she's in the field, but it's a, a Parsonsia. Oh, yes. Can mm. you describe it? Uh, it, if, it? Well, it's, it's it's a little bit nondescript, to be honest. Mm. It's um, uh, It has these long canes, uh, which are often leafless. Um, but it, it's a it's a liana. It gets up into the canopy where the where the foliage sits. So it can often be cryptic in in the forest. But you 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 see that you see the the, the canes, the liana canes. Some of the old old stems are wonderful Beautiful. in shape, but they can be very rampant if people are planting. Up in the dandenongs, I've seen it cover plants. Yeah, yeah. Pass on the stramonia. It's really, really rampant sometimes. I think yeah. it's the the thing which defines um, East Gippsland jungles, the warm temperate rainforest. Mm-hmm. It's often the Parsonsia mm. vines that are the mm. yeah that the, the, the give oh. give the warm temperate rainforest their jungle like appearance. Uh-huh. Do and they just the create past. like that? You know, go straight up, create that cover. Yep, yeah. and you know the woody yeah. Tarzan liana yeah. underneath. If, if Pete from Eltona wants to do a day trip up to Karanga. They've got a massive range of plants for dry shade from ground mm. covers up to trees. And another one I'm just thinking of, 
the rose myrtle? Is it Archeomyrtus? I can never pronounce Archeomyrtus. it. Archeomyrtus. That one, thanks, guys. Beclari. Thank yeah. you. That one's good in shade too yeah. and yeah. has yeah. beautifully scented foliage. Mm. And nice fruits. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an edible one. And Ostromyrtus? Yes. Probably reasonable in shade or does yeah. that require a bit more light? Yeah, no, that'd be fine. Yeah. Mm. yeah be fine. What have you got? Mr. Elliot? I've got a strange-looking plant which I think you organised for me to have one day. Did I? Yep. That's was a, that for our fern workshop? Yeah, yeah. we did a fern workshop workshop at Cranbourne. Oh, and, and, um, yeah, Chloe organised some ferns so people could take them home. And this is Davalia pixidata. It's called the hares, one of the hares foot ferns. There's quite a few hares foot ferns, I think. Mm. And um, so it has this ones. really... Furry stems. We've got it growing in a pot, but you can grow it in the ground. You can grow it as an epiphyte on other trees or even tree ferns. Sometimes you'll see it growing mm. on tree fern. And it's a semi-deciduous fern. And so there's lots of, you can see nodes. We can, we can see nodes anyway. <laughs> uh, where the old leaves have been and there's new buds coming up and they'll start to, to shoot out. But... Um, yeah, Davalia, D-A-V-A-L-L-I-A, Pixidata is P-Y-X-I-D-A-T-A, and uh, it's great. It'll take a bit of sunshine, and uh, <coughs> but it does well in shade, and we've just got it growing in a terracotta pot. Very, very happy. So it's, um, that's marvellous. Sometimes we don't talk about ferns on this show. No, but that would no. that would be all right in the shade for Peter oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. And hare's foot, because of the the, the new growth, is has got that sort of yeah. animal furry. Yeah, that rabbit's foot. Yeah, yeah rabbit's foot. When you look at the the stems, they Blunt look a bit end. like rabbit's feet. Yeah, yeah. 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 Blunt but end so. and hairy. Yeah. I, I associate that, that with big hanging baskets. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're fine in yeah. a hanging basket. Because there's a New Zealand species. Um, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but there's a lot of uh, text messages oh, coming through. Oh, we better get to them. Sorry. We better get to them. I've got to, got to keep got going. To but, get um, cracking. Yeah, fine. And we're, we're marching on with time. Um, so someone has asked, can we please explain to the listeners what a sentinel plant is? A sentinel plant. Sentinel plant. So in the case of myrtle rust, yeah, it could have, could have two meanings. Mm. It, it could be prominent in the landscape. That could be sentinel, mm. um, as in something that, which marks a, a, a place. That could be a sentinel. Mm. Um, but sentinel in, um, in the myrtle rust, it, it's things which are known um, to be susceptible to myrtle rust that are monitored. Um, mm. So there, you, we've got sentinel plants all through the Australian garden, that are myrtle rust susceptible, and we monitor them on a weekly basis. Mm. So they're um, they're like the canary in the cage type of. Yeah. Um, uh, so that context yeah, is they're canary coal mine. Yeah, canary good coal mine. Indicator. They're an indicator, indicator plant. Plants. Yeah, that, that get monitored mm. for specifically for for the presence or absence of that um, of that pest. And they, if you found the presence of that pest on the plant, then that would trigger a process a procedure. Correct to. Uh, Ensure the garden did not that it didn't take hold. Yep, mm. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And well, there's that's... sentinel because there's quite a few cultivars are mm. called sentinel, Banksia mm. integrifolia, 
Sentinel because it's narrow, supposedly. Okay. For how long? I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. And um, and upright. Upright. That one's like a century. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. S e n t r y century. That yeah. brings to mind. Um, there's a there's an Acer that's called a Crimson Century. I mean, that's just a that's its common name. Yeah. But as you're you're talking about, uh, like fastidiate. Yeah. Sort of. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So sentinel has numerous meanings in yeah. the in the, the plant world. Great explanation. So moving on, we've got a caller from Windsor. Uh, I have to move my mic so I can read it properly. Um, a caller from Windsor ta- saw two willy wagtails in her garden yesterday. What can what can she plant to enca- encourage more of them? And can the panel recommend a bird seed mix? For them, please, to deter pigeons and Indian miners. <laughs> I, I think willy wagtails might be insectivorous. Insectivorous, yeah. so they're not birds that eat seeds. Uh, seeds, and they're not birds that eat meat like kookaburras and, yep. and magpies. Yep. So, flowering yep. plants all year round and dense, so that they can so have something to hide in. Do willy wagtails? I'm yeah, sure. they like open spaces too. You'll often find them. Walking the same route as a, a magpie, they'll mm. often be together. Okay. That's and, interesting. Um, so I think maybe magpie often digs with beak and disturbs stuff, and so Willy Wagtail comes bug. and gets the insects and things. So you yeah, need so, a bit of open space, but oh, dense, dense coverage too. Uh, leaf litter, would that be an advantage, yeah, or, is yeah, it, or is it more open country yeah, for Willy Wagtails? Often in grassed areas, you know, grassed yes. areas, but... Where there's a bit of litter, probably. I know we, we get willy wagtails at our place. They just come in and land on a, a bubbling rock we've got. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so they do that because they've, they've become a bit scarce, willy mm. wagtails, mm. you know. So if you can encourage insects, and a way to do that would be to plant um, um, pollinator plants. Mm. And if you wanted to have a little a water bowl, mm. that... that that gets would help. insects into a the sh- garden. Like a shallow water bowl. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, and to, to deter pigeons and Indian miners. Well, um, see, the, the miners often like open spaces as well, mm. and the, the Indian and the bell miners too. So it could be that could be a challenge mm. if they like to occupy the same niche. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Some councils do provide Indian miner traps if people are. So inclined. to try and get uh, rid of them. Yeah. And they're, they're readily trappable. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, one, if, if you trap one, you trap numerous. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Well, maybe uh, a good opportunity to get in touch with your council and see if they offer any resources for the Indian miners. Mm. And in terms of bird seed mix, um, I, I think it's hard to go past... Um, Living native grasses um, mm. because they're a perpetual. Mm. Well, if if you diversify the the, the species, but um, uh, yeah, I think grass yeah. living, living grass tussocks um, are and a, a mechanism for that. Species that'll flower through throughout the year. It's yeah. that I think with with birds and and other animals, it's providing food sources throughout the year yeah. that'll keep them there. Probably keep your poa annua. Um, yeah. In in the garden, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. that might be a source of a good source of. I'm not suggesting that's a good. Don't idea. go planting no, and no. if it's there, you yeah, can leave yeah, it a little yeah. bit. Or, or I'm not even suggesting that really. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll just yeah. do it by its own accord. Yes. 
All right. So now we've got another text message. Um, they're suggesting that maybe a Murnong flower could be the show symbol. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, kind of similar to the three CR dandelion. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Or thistle, as Roger called it, um, but yeah. indigenous. That's very nice. I think that's the best idea we've had yet. Yep. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Okay, put that in the Yeah, in that's the in the mix. mix. Yeah. 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 Very keen on that. Thank you to whoever sent that in. Um, another text message. Koya is from the husks of coconut, so it is sustainable. The byproduct of coconut, coconut milk, etc. And from East Ringwood. Used to live in Papua, Papua New Guinea where coconuts grow. So there you go. That's a, a great insight from someone who has lived in Papua New Guinea. Thank you, Anne, for sharing yeah. that. That's, Thank you. Yeah, great. And then, um, hi team, do you know Hare's Foot Stockists in Melbourne? The ferns. Oh, the fern. I think Karanga would Karang, have them yeah. if you wanted the native one. Because there is a New Zealand one which is quite popular. It's um, Devalia bellatum, B-U-L-L-A-T-U-M. And uh, that's not quite as vigorous as mm. the Australian hare's foot. But anywhere where there are ferns, I think mm. you would be able to pick. I'd also recommend giving Bulleen Art and Garden a ring sure. because they have quite a good range of, of native plants and ferns. They do. So give them a call before you head over there. There, mm. there used to be a whole bunch of specialist fern nurseries and I think mm. they've, they've all yeah. gone under. They're still – so where I got these plants for um, – he's not open to the public so I probably shouldn't say his name, but it is a local grower in the Dandenongs that um, – Grows his own, grows his own ferns and stocks to Karanga, okay. but he is not open to the public no. at all. But um, stocks to Karanga and other retail nurseries around. So, I reckon if you go to your retail nursery and say you're looking for this, if they don't have it in stock, they should be able to get hold of the hare's foot yeah. fern because it's not super rare. Another option, our lovely producer Susie just typed in. She said potentially Garden World. Or collector's mm. corner. Collector's corner. Mm. Yeah. Could possibly have it. Yeah. So maybe give them a call, or just go in because they're amazing, and uh, you'll probably find lots of other good things in there too. <laughs> That's right. But now we have a caller. Everyone, get excited! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We've got Anna from Bentley. Hello, Anna. Hello. Sorry to keep um, you waiting. Thank you. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I've got another poultry who's got a, a problem for a while now, a few years now. It's getting the the, the trunk split and uh, it starts with the bark and after the trunk splits, it goes black and the branch get it and the whole branch dies down. What, what I was cut the... it off but after another, it starts on another branch. What was the plant? Sorry, an apple tree. Oh, apple, apple tree. Apple tree. It's an old apple tree. It's, it's an old apple tree, and the trunk is yes. splitting. Yes. yes, yes. It sounds like it's getting to be past its use-by date. Possibly. If yeah. it's had inconsistent watering, even <clears throat> for the last ten or so years. Ah, uh, yeah. Because of the rain, I don't water mm. now. But this summer, I water it mostly. Yeah, so if it hasn't been, if you haven't traditionally watered it, but then we've had three, or we're a bit going into, we've had two wet summers where it's gotten mm. rain yeah. while it's in its um, actively active growing time, 
that's yeah. usually what happens when you get bark splitting on yes. plants and, and not just apple trees. I would be a little bit suspicious that maybe it has a fungal infestation within the, it, the tree. It goes, uh, it goes a bit black where it splits in mm. the bark. But I use, I use it, uh, some treatment uh, like a pen, you paint it on, black liquid stuff. Mm. But it doesn't work. I would suggest, unfortunately, that once a fungus has infested into uh, like the heart wood of the tree, yeah. which sounds like yeah. this might yeah. be... Um, yeah. It might be something that can't be solved. All right. Um, do you okay. find you get uh, leaves and fruit and, like, does it seem healthy in other respects? Uh, yeah, uh, half of it is, is good. Yeah, it's getting good, uh, fruit and leaves and everything. Mm. But uh, uh, every branch is getting the problem slowly. The one closest to the one with the problem yeah, it gets it gets the problem again, and I cut that off. And after the next branch, you go. So I think I'm going to lose the whole tree. It looks like. Yeah, I I just wonder whether a spray with Bordeaux spray or mm. something like yeah. that may may help. It may not, but it, uh-huh. it might just um, counteract if if it's a. So I thing. have to spray the whole tree, or yeah, just probably spray the whole tree, and you'd probably Bordeaux. need to do that fairly soon. Uh, I think. For, uh, now or is summer? Would you spray the actual trunks? Yeah, spray the trunks. How many times? Just once? Well, it wouldn't hurt maybe to follow up a couple of weeks later. Yeah, a second spray in in two weeks. Yeah, Yeah, well, if I get uh, time with the rain, it's nearly raining every day. Yes, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The other option, Anna, is to look at the opportunities of removing it and either finding another apple tree and a newer variety. A lot of the newer varieties are bred to be a bit more resilient to pests and diseases. Or you could put in a totally different fruit tree and and see what what happens. Is that good to plant another apple tree there? You could, but it it might get sick if it is a fungal disease. It will potentially be more at higher risk of getting what your current tree has. So it's you, a high bed. It's a high bed where it okay. is. It's not uh, straight on the ground. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's a raised planter. Yeah, raised. raised, raised. Some, some of the columnar apples are good for raised planters because they they still which, produce full sized apples and quite a quite a good abundance which of ones? them. Which ones? They're they're a columnar variety of apples, so they're sort like of upright, a may- upright shape. Yeah, a maypole apple where it's. Um, it doesn't branch out as much as a standard tree, so you can get. Um, there's a f- there's a few different varieties. Um, if you if you ask for a maypole apple at your local maypole. nursery, they maypole. will maypole. Can you spell that, please? M a y p o l p o l. Yeah. So they're different kind of apples. They're just called maypole. Maypole, yeah. It's really it's the form, just, isn't it? It's the form of yeah. apple, yeah. Now I see. What, what, what's the name of the apple usually, those apples? They're still, they're still just a, a standard apple that's grown on the oh. tree, um, um. but you can get different varieties. So I believe there's Pink Lady available in a maypole. Okay. I think okay. there's um, Gala. I think oh, there's... Well. I've got this apple 
on and I've got another tree at the back of my yard and it's, I, I grafted all these up for song. Fantastic. So maybe well, uh, plus some of them put it on the front there. Uh, the one that's got the problem is Red Delicious that yeah. I had before many well, years. And I like I that. I would expect there's probably a maypole variety that that is a red delicious, so it would be worth yes. asking uh, your your local retailer. So it could be a maypole variety, the red delicious. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it is a red delicious. Uh, oh, what you have is a is a normal tree of a red delicious, but yes, um, yes. Yeah. I bought it from a nursery. I don't know it was grafted. I don't know. Mm. It should be grafted. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for calling in, Anna. Okay. We really appreciate it, and we hope we've um, been able to help a little bit. Uh, I hope so. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks All so right. much. Nice See you Bye. Bye. I just Googled the maypoles, and they're really super upright, aren't they? Yeah, they don't take up a lot of space at all. I haven't grown. I'm not. I haven't gotten a lot of experience growing those column ones, but they're handy for smaller spaces. Yeah. Hmm. And yeah, they're just. Yeah, you can get a lot of different varieties of them. Yeah, and they uh, they tend to produce a good yield as yeah. well, even though they are much smaller. So they're great for balconies, courtyards. Yep. And I I design the balconies and courtyards frequently, so a lot of my clients end up with maypole apples. <laughs> so I should probably know more of the varieties, but I just get whatever they prefer. They don't look to be much more than a, a, a meter, meter a meter wide. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah, really fantastic. great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that I'm blasting you with questions, but we have had quite a few emails in the past week as well. So I will read you a few. Hi all, love the show. My sister lives in Kilmore and has a weed problem that seemed to come in the last lot of mulch. She has tried to spray it with a safer style weed killer, but hasn't had any luck. It seems to have small roots, but also several larger ones like tap roots. Any advice to eliminate, it would be appreciated. I've attached some photos, so I'll show Could you. Be ash. Constant vigilance. Yeah. And in the mulch, too. It's such yeah. a shame because you're trying to do something good for your garden. Yeah, as in re- recycling. Mm. Yeah. Sorrel, is it? Sorrel. Yeah. Yeah, that's sorrel. Persistence. Was that brought into Australia as a as a... Um, soil stabiliser or something? Yeah, it was for the up in the alpine field. Because yeah. it is going ballistic up mm. in the alpine areas. Yeah. It's taking over. It's always so interesting they when something some soup. Was... <laughs> yeah, make some soup. There so, you go. Keep pull, you, you keep removing keep, it. Yeah, just keep. If it's, yep. And if it's in that top layer of mulch, you, you actually have a chance of being get, able getting to it before it. it really goes. Yeah. If you can get it before it starts going down. Because mm. otherwise it's going to be quite a, yeah. a problem to yeah. get. It, it loves acidic soil. So, so could um, you sprinkle some lime? A bit of lime may help. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Any others, Emma, before we run out of time? Yeah, sorry, I'm really going through them. Um, dear gardening team and especially Roger Elliott, thank you for your always interesting and in-depth gardening program. Can you please help identify this lovely sparse upright shrub, 1.5 to 2 metres in height? that has these lovely waxy soft pink flowers. I'll just show you the photo. <laughs> okay. I believe it's a f- type of... We'll say... Yeah, we'll it's let Ger- Geraldton wax. Nice. Shamalorchium unsonatum. Wonderful cut flower. So that's... 
C-H-A-M-E-L-A-U-C-I-U-M, Shamalukim, Unsanatum, U-N-C-I-N-A-T-U-M. And Unsanatum means hooked. You taught me that. Did I? When we were looking at a you Malaluka. You listen sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. When we were looking at a Malaluka <laughs> Unsanata. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Roger. It's usually the tip, well, not usually, but yeah, the tip of the yeah. leaf has a hook. The point has yeah. to be slightly hooked. Yeah. Good. Well, that was that was from Philip in Richmond, so I'm sure he'll appreciate that idea. Good on you, Philip. Good on you, Philip. Yep. Yeah, thank you for writing in to us. All right. We didn't even get to half of our plants no. today. No. We can. We've got time for one. Yeah, more. one more, you, John. You, no, no, you pick one, Rog. Oh, look, I just brought in another fern. This is the king fern, Todia barbara. Nice. Which is like a miniature tree fern, but it's great. We've got a plant that must be nearly thirty years old in a water well pot, and sometimes it gets neglected, and all the fronds go. Yeah. And you think, oh, the thing's dead, but then up it'll come again. And but it has this great big trunk on it in in the wild. But Todia barbara, T O D E A, and like Barbara, like Barbara. Streisand. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. And <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's just <laughs> a lovely, lovely fern. Yeah, and you, the, it'll take it pretty tough. You can grow it in the ground too. And the one that Roger's got a sample of has beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it has beautiful uh, spores all on the back of its leaves. Yeah. It's just a vine. Well, that about does it for us. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, and for those that couldn't get up early, we are available on podcast. So uh, please have a listen via the podcast. I'll say a big thanks to our producer, Susie Barrett. Thanks to Liz for doing the socials. And thanks to Chloe, John and Roger for sharing your knowledge with myself and the listeners. We really appreciate it. And thanks to Roger for coming in. Yes, it, yeah. took, it took me a bit of convincing. You better buy me a cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, my name's Emma Hurd and it's been lovely talking with my wonderful guests, Chloe Foster, John Arnott and Roger Elliott. Um, happy gardening and cheerio. Thank you. Thank you.